You're listening to CSB Broadcast, your local connection to what's happening in your community and at Community State Bank. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Community State Bank Podcast today. I'm Scott Hudipole, and today we have with us, uh, honored to have with us, Bernie Backus from right here in Union Grove. Welcome, Bernie. Thank you very much. You bet. It's great to have you. We're going to do things a little different today. Um, I, I kind of want to refer to this as a, a bit of a, of a history lesson, a recent history lesson, but to kind of get a better feeling for what happened in Union Grove. And um, I know Union Grove is a big part of who you are, and it's a very big part of who this bank is and what this bank has stood for and where it's been over the for us the last 116 years. I know you haven't been around for 116 years, but not quite. Not, <laughs> but uh, but we really appreciate you being here today, Bernie. Can you first tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, all those good things? Well, I was actually born in New York City. Really? Moved with my parents to Madison when I was six weeks old. Really? And uh, grew up and lived in Madison through high school and the University of Wisconsin. All right. Went to the School of Pharmacy in Madison and got my... my, a degree there, uh-huh. and then I needed an internship position to do a, a one-year mandatory internship, and I learned that the position at Halper Pharmacy in Union Grove was available looking for an intern. Really? So I came out to Union Grove. I had to look on the map to see where it was. I had never heard of Union Grove. Mm-hmm. Came out here, interviewed by Pete Halper at the pharmacy, and I just immediately saw this was where I was supposed to be. Really? That's interesting. And uh, he uh, agreed to uh, have me for the year. We never expected that I would be here for all this time. Uh My whole career of 34 years was right there at Halper Pharmacy, with the exception of three years when I was in the military and had to serve a three-year tour of duty on Okinawa. Really? Okay. What what year, the the internship, what year was that? I I arrived here in 56. Okay. And uh, took my state board exams in 57. All right. Let me step back one step. What were your parents doing in New York City? I mean, what, what had them there? Well, they were fairly recently married. They'd uh-huh. been married three years. My dad is a uh, scientist, and he was uh, uh, had a very good position with the New York Botanical Gardens. Okay. He's a microbiologist. All right. And then a position became available at the University of Wisconsin as a professor of microbiology at Madison. Really? And so his whole, basically, his whole career was there in Madison uh-huh. at the university. So he was a professor while you are going to school there? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Where, where were your parents from originally? Uh, my dad was from Madison, okay. and my mother is a good old Norwegian, and she was from a small town west of Madison, Black Earth. Sure. Right where it's at. Yeah. Right where it's at. Fantastic. Neat little town. So in 1956, you come to Union Grove, Wisconsin. Um, like you said, you stayed here your whole career, except for the military. So tell me a little bit about what was like in uh, in Union Grove in 1956. 
Well, my first impression was it's awfully small because uh -huh. I was used to Madison. Sure. Uh, but I like small communities. I'm I'm more comfortable in them, and uh, uh, it the downtown just seemed so active and bustling. So many nice little stores and shops, and the the uh, it, it was just a very active community. And of course, I went into the pharmacy, and it was air conditioned, which is was extremely unusual back in the, in the mid fifties. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just received such a warm welcome from Bill Hines and Pete Halper, and. Uh, uh, Pete interviewed me for half an hour or so, and then he introduced me to Bill. And Bill Hines uh, uh, just took took about two hours and just showed me all the operations of the pharmacy and told me about their philosophy, their professional ethics, and I could just tell that this is where I was supposed to be. That's neat. That's it was neat. just a very warm, comfortable. Feeling. Did you think when you were going through that that you would spend your whole whole career here? I, I envisioned one year and then move on to whatever the future would hold. Uh huh. I never never envisioned being here my whole career. Wow. In a recent conversation we had, you talked a little bit about the the businesses of, of downtown Union Grove, and can you can you expand on that a little bit? Well. Despite the fact that Union Grove had less than 2,000 people at that time, the downtown was booming. Mm -hmm. Anything you needed, you could buy right here in Union Grove. Uh, we had women's clothing store, men's clothing, had one or sometimes two shoe stores, had a bakery, the pharmacy, Right downtown was the post office. Right downtown was the library. Uh, grocery stores, we had three grocery stores. Isn't that something? Now we have 5,000 people and there's one grocery store. Mm -hmm. That just shows the difference. You bet. Uh, we had two hardware stores, the lumber yard. Uh, anything you wanted, you could buy appliances, Small appliances, refrigerators, stoves, clothing, anything you needed, you could buy here in downtown Union Grove. And people shopped here sure. because there were no malls. There were no big box stores. Mm -hmm. So anything that people needed, they could get here, and this is where they shopped. Sometimes it makes me wonder and think is, you know, as we call it progress as time goes on, is there, is it really progress, you know, yeah. compared to, to the way the communities were and the way the communities were supported back at that period of time? Yeah, it was about in the late 50s that Elmwood Plaza was built in Racine. Mm -hmm. And then it became a big Friday night event for Union Grove people to get in their cars and go into Racine to do their shopping. Hmm. My goodness, they had a Goldblatt's department store there in the mall. They had a big Kroger grocery store. Yeah. Penny's was in the mall. Hmm. And uh, 
you could actually go from one store to another without going outdoors. Which was a really big deal, wasn't it? Big deal. Yeah. And it was an event. People mm -hmm. went shopping on Friday night. They don't anymore, to, mm -hmm. for the most part. And uh, it was a big event. Well, that took a lot of business away from Union Grove. Sure did. To, took a lot of business away from every small town in America. Exactly. It's the same way everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your typical day. And one of the things that amazed me is in our previous conversations is how late you get, like how late you were open, and basically how many hours a week you guys worked. Uh, back in those days, the doctors were in their offices until nine, almost ten o'clock at night, hmm. and so the pharmacy was open from eight in the morning until ten o'clock at night. And yes, we worked all those hours, mm -hmm. most every day. Hmm. It was uh, like a day off if I got done at six o'clock in the evening. Really? Um, the, uh, um, our connection with the doctors was mostly by telephone and written prescriptions. Uh, no such thing as computers and sure. fax machines and all this uh, uh, current technology. So um, uh, we frequently would be calling the doctors for clarification or whatever and uh, pick up the telephone and we didn't even have dial phones yet then. Really? And uh, the telephone operator was uh, uh, in the second floor of the building across the street from the pharmacy and we just say I want five and five was Dr. Schultz's number. Really? The pharmacy was seven five. Uh-huh. That's all there was to telephones back then. Oh, that's interesting. It's amazing. You, uh, by the early 60s we had dial telephone uh -huh. and uh, things began to change. Okay. And then we got computerized in the 80s, mm -hmm. and uh, it's hard to believe what, that we were practicing pharmacy with nothing more than a manual typewriter and uh, and a uh, an old style telephone. Yeah, can you imagine today? interviewing somebody for a pharmacy position and say your hours are going to be 8 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night? Yeah, they would quickly go someplace else. <laughs> yes, they would. They went very fast. But that was normal in those days. Sure. We open on Saturdays too? Oh, yes. Yeah. Saturdays, really? same hours, open Sundays, open really? holidays. Really? Yeah, we were never closed. Really? Until later years, then we closed on Christmas Day. Uh-huh. And uh, we shortened our hours as the doctors shortened their hours. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but we were always open at least until 8 o'clock at night. All right. Great. And your, uh, your lovely wife, uh, basically that was just part of life, wasn't it? I mean, that's just what you did. Exactly. That mm -hmm. was what you, uh, that was part of being a pharmacist's wife. Yeah. And she, and she worked, I believe you said also at the, the at library. At the library. Okay. She was employed for 20 years as a library assistant. Okay. And since then, she has been working at the library, closely at the library, just as a volunteer and strictly on her own, uh, creating a historical department there. Really? That's neat. That's neat. There was a, at least one bakery in town, and you talk about uh, 
visiting that bakery once in a while. Can you share that with me? Uh, Dick Ryer owned the bakery, and it was a wonderful bakery, small but just a, a wonderful facility. And uh, Dick was a good friend of Bill and me, and uh, he'd come into the pharmacy often and uh, just to chat a little bit and always say, well, you guys stop in on your way home. And uh, so Bill and I on our way uh, home after a day of work at the pharmacy, it would be 10, 11, sometimes midnight before we'd get all our work done and, and leave to go home. And we would uh, uh, start to walk down the street and the, the aroma of that fresh bakery just filled the air. Hmm. And uh, so we'd go around into the back because Dick would always leave the back door open. I don't think you'd dare do that today. No. And we'd walk in and he'd be working back there in this tremendous heat and making all these wonderful things. And oh, he'd say, oh, I just took donuts out of the fryer. Here, guys, have some donuts. <laughs> and he'd give us food and he'd be uh, mixing up his batter and stirring it up and uh, working away. And the sweat would be just dripping off of him. And I noticed it was, some of it was going right into the batter. <laughs> and he, uh, I said, Dick, uh, your sweat is going down into the batter. And he says, oh, that's okay. I just don't have to use so much salt that way. <laughs> but he had the most wonderful tasting bakery you ever tried. Uh-huh. And I, I bet you did that quite a bit, didn't you? Stop there after work. Yeah, it was, uh, if it's midnight already, what's another half hour? Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm sure he enjoyed that, too. He enjoyed it, too. Yeah. But that was that was life in Union Grove in those days. Everybody knew everybody. It was very friendly. Not to say it isn't friendly now, but mm -hmm. it was just a different kind of friendliness. Yeah, it was probably more self-contained, probably, you know, mm -hmm. where today um, a lot of the smaller communities become almost bedroom communities where everybody leaves during the day and they come back during the night. And right. They... Like I say, every you could buy everything you needed right here, yeah. so there was no need or place to go outside of the community. Sure. sure. So, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but my mom was um, a clerk in a drugstore in my small town in Blainsburg, Iowa, for for quite a few years when I was she? in high school and college. And our we had I have three siblings and. And uh, so, some of the time when you, when you talk about some of these things, I can I can relate because I you know just my mom went through and some of the stuff that she did, and she she really enjoyed it too. She really enjoyed the people and the, the pharmacists, and, the, and that again was a town of two thousand people at that time. It had two two pharmacies, and uh, uh, it, it's just kind of interesting to me because I kind of can relate what it was like being in that being in that store, and then as a kid going into some of the stores. The, to remember some of that, you have a you have an interesting um, hobby, passion in, in model trains. Can you talk a little bit about that? And 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 I stopped by uh, the Super Saturday here a while back and and saw your your layout, which was phenomenal. But can you talk a little bit about maybe how you got interested in in, in that in the model trains and uh, what you've done? Well, I guess I've always been interested in, in trains. I had a Lionel train when I was small and growing up, uh, and I dabbled in model railroading. 
through the years. I had a, a layout at home, but working the way I did, I didn't have enough time to really stick with it. So I, uh, I was interested to find out that uh, the Baptist Church here in town had a small model railroading club. And every once in a while, they would take some of their equipment down to, well, the lobby of the bank here. Uh, it was on Main Street at sure. the time. Um, or the uh, showroom at Martin's Chrysler and uh, or out to Shepherd's Home and they would set it up and run trains and uh, just have it to show the public a little mm -hmm. bit. And I went to see what they did one day and I could see that they needed some nice scenery. And I had scenery on my layout that I had built at home. So I took it down and they um, liked it and they suggested that maybe I would like to join their club. So that's how I got involved with the club. Okay. Uh, they really wanted a permanent home where they could set up a, a layout for the public to see that would be a permanent location. And uh, at that time, Jerry Hancock at the pharmacy, which was down off of Vine Street, sure. Uh, he said, well, he has half a basement that he's not using. If our club would like it, we could just set it up down there. Nice. So that's how we started there. And we continued in that spot until Jerry had to move the pharmacy out to the mall on the mm -hmm. east side of town. Mm -hmm. And uh, the new owner of that building where the pharmacy was needed the basement for a big conference room. And so we got evicted okay. and were without a home for a year. And then we uh, uh, were uh, given the opportunity to move into the uh, room that we have at the former Piggly Wiggly. Outstanding. And the club has grown to what it is now. Uh, my my retirement goal was to build at the Model Railroad to build a replication of downtown Union Grove the way it looked back in the 50s when I came to town. Mm -hmm. And that's what I spent about 15 years of hobby time doing. Uh, uh, just the downtown part of the village. Sure. Uh, showing the way it looked, I scratch built everything that's in the downtown area. Mm -hmm. All the buildings are built from scratch so that they look exactly like they were back in those days. It's really interesting to see Andrew and I, my wife and I stopped in a few weeks ago, like I said on Super Saturday, and it's, it's really interesting to, to see the history. I'm, I'm, I'm a history buff, I mean, I'm, I'm my, in my, my younger years when I was growing up in high school I wanted to be a history teacher and I don't know how I got well my dad was a community banker for many years so I'm sure that's swung me into this direction but to see that it's just really interesting to see all the different businesses that you pointed out already and where they were located at and, and, and what made this town really go and if you get a chance people listening to this just to see that make sure you take some time to go to go visit that at some point in time um, 
what made you stay in Union Grove? What I mean, you probably had opportunities over the years. What what really made you stay here? I probably could have had opportunities elsewhere, but I never even considered it okay. because the people that I worked with at the pharmacy, the people in the community, the environment, it, it just, I, I couldn't envision anything any better. It was just exactly what I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, I guess that's the only answer I can give. I never even considered it. So basically what, what makes this place special, what makes Union Grove special is, is the people. The people, mm-hmm. exactly, and that's and that's what kept you here for many many years. Exactly, outstanding. Where, when in 1956, where was the bank located? What building was it in? Well, it was uh, on the west side of Main Street okay. in the 1000 block, mm-hmm. uh, where the Edward Jones office is now. Okay. Uh, as I recall, the bank had five employees. Uh huh. That was it. There were no branch offices here. Uh, an interesting thing was that the bank closed at noon between 12 and 1. Really? So if we had need for change or any other bank services, we had to make sure that we got over there before noon or had to wait until 1 o'clock. Really? Um, that's was not we didn't think anything of it. I don't know if that was typical of banks, mm-hmm. but it was the way the State Bank of Union Grove operated. Sure, sure. And uh, and then they built. We built the the building on the east side of the square then, and that had to be kind of a a big event for the for the community. I would say that was. I remember Doc Hewlett cut the. Uh, ribbon for the grand opening of it. He was a veterinarian, okay. an elderly veterinarian. This was very near the end of his uh, life. Uh-huh. Uh, he was a pretty ill man at the time, but I remember he cut the ribbon. And then when we built this office, you know, 20 years next, 20 years ago next year, um, that had to probably be a really big deal for the community. I would yes, bet. Yes, it was mm-hmm. a beautiful. A beautiful structure and uh, a real asset uh, right down here on now what is a, a main mm-hmm. corner of the community with the municipal building right across the street. You bet. And for our, for this bank, historically, I mean, you know, for many, many, many years, this was the bank. I mean, Union Grove was the bank, and uh, um, our roots go way back. I actually found. Um, Recently, I went and saw some of the archives that the bank has located downstairs in our in our basement, and actually found a note that was signed by a lady in eighteen ninety eight. It was eighteen ninety eight, eighteen ninety six for twenty three dollars, and uh, and it just said basically I promised to pay it back. There was no terms or no anything with it, but it, it, it that type of stuff really interests me because it tells you what it was like back in that period of time and twenty three dollars. And probably for a female, especially in the 1800s, to be borrowing the money was probably pretty unusual. And uh, um, and for $23, I thought that was that was probably quite a bit of sum of money at that point. And, yeah. and those are those are some neat things. But anything anything that uh, over your your time here, Bernie, that um, you just want to share with us? Is there anything that really sticks out to you that? Uh, um, 
that you've really enjoyed as, as being part of, of Union Grove? Well, it's hard to say any one particular thing. I was very honored and surprised uh, at the Chamber of Commerce banquet in 1990, the year I re the year Bill Heinz and I retired. Um, very surprised that we were both uh, recipients of the first lifetime membership uh, awards. Mm -hmm. And uh, Carol Knight, when she gave the award, she kind of had a twinkle in her eye and she says, well, we're secretly hoping that this will encourage you to remain active in the community <laughs> during your retirement. Uh -huh. And uh, I have, and uh, I just, uh, enjoy being involved with things that are going on to the best of my ability mm -hmm. and uh, uh, do volunteer work and I'm I'm active in a lot of the, the activities and I enjoy that. Bernie it's been uh, it's been great visiting with you I've only been here for two years actually two years ago last month um, but as soon as I came to town you know, I had I had a number of people say, "You got to be Bernie, you got to be Bernie." <laughs> and uh, uh, I know you're not a lifelong resident of Union Grove, but you're a big part of Union Grove and and what's happened in this community. Your support today, even though you you are retired, um, I mean, I still see it a lot of different things, and and it it takes time and, and dedication to do those types of things. So. I just want to thank you for everything you've done for this community, and uh, and I know you continue to do things for the community, um, but it takes people like you to really make something like this happen. And uh, from the bank standpoint, I want to thank you because it takes community leaders to uh, to keep communities going, and uh, and you're uh, a great example of that type of leader over the years here in Union Grove, and, and we want to thank you for that. Well, thank you very much for asking me to come and do this. Uh, I would like to say also, we are grateful to the Community State Bank for all that you do in the community. I appreciate that. I've, I've always believed that, you know, community banking is different, and, if, and it has to be different than, than a lot of the big banks, and if we don't, if we're not involved in it, then it's, it's not a good thing, so. Mm -hmm. You got to support your local community. Absolutely. I feel. And I agree with that 100%. So thanks, Bernie. I want to also thank Ellie Heigel, who's uh, our production engineer today. Ellie does such a great job of, uh, of bringing these podcasts to you. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for listening to CSB Broadcast, your local connection to what's happening in your community and at Community State Bank. To learn more about Community State Bank, please visit us online at communitystatebank.net.